This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. And today we're excited to speak with MLB Network President Rob McGlary. A timely interview because the playoffs in Major League Baseball may be unexpectedly, certainly to some extent heroically, given what we've seen happen across the world. They are underway. And in fact, MLB Network, they're going to exclusively air two National League Division Series games this coming week. So excited to talk to him about the product and the evolution of this network. Before we get to that, guys, let's talk a little bit about what was going on in the world of sports and the business of sports. As baseball continues to rise in some ways, the NFL stumbling a little bit this week, Lynchy, and on the one hand, maybe only a matter of time. On the other, this is not great news if you're an NFL fan or certainly if you're in the business of the NFL. Without question. Uh, we saw it at the start of the Major League Baseball season with the Miami Marlins, and they had some people that just uh, didn't make good decisions. And here we are now, as of Thursday morning, the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game will not be played later on next week. It'll be played later in the season because the number, as of around noontime on Thursday, was 11 players and staff of the Tennessee Titans. So their facility has been closed down because somebody went someplace they shouldn't have gone without a mask. And remember, this team played a road game last year, last week at in Minnesota, so that whole team and traveling party was on an airplane flying back. And that number, I'm sure, will grow from 11. So what do you think about this as a fan? Barr, were you just sort of waiting for this moment that this was just going to happen in the NFL, especially because there's no bubble? As Lynchy just pointed out, you got a lot of travel. This was, in some ways, a business decision that was made to play in home stadiums. That means travel. That means exposing the players, the coaches, the staff, which are massive if you're a pro football team, to just a broader part of the world. See, this is, and I, I'm going. I fell in the trap, and what I mean by that is, you know, we got through week one, we yeah. got through week two, we played week three, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, hey, we playing football, and uh, you know, obviously uh, sparse in the in the stands or no fans at all, but we were playing football, and I was starting to fall into the trap, and then boom, and this news happens. I know. Obviously, you're worried about the health of the players, but there's another aspect to it. Uh, the people who bet on this game, the people who are into fantasy sports, uh, everybody is like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? And it's it's sad that uh, we think like that sometimes because we're talking about uh, men trying to play the game, but there's a lot of money involved, and I'm praying that we don't have another outbreak with another team. <clears throat> Yeah, 
a lot of money involved, Lynchy. We can't get mm-hmm. too far away from that, honestly. I mean, we've seen it drive so much decision-making across the world of sports. We talked about it last week when it comes to college football. I mean, mm. that is something you cannot escape the dollars and cents here. And the NFL, we know it's the most popular, most lucrative league here in the United States. They had the benefit of time. We've talked about that as well. But we're also getting into a colder season. We're getting into a moment where coronavirus cases are on the rise again. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But if you're running a team or running this league, what are you most worried about? What are the, what are the things, the decisions that you think you have to take up sooner rather than later? Uh, that we have a curfew for everybody in our team, that you immediately go home for practice. If they have to put a tracking device on their ankles, you know, like they do with, uh, you know, some people who um, need to be tracked by the uh, uh, judicial system, then we ha- then they have to do that. Now, the Raiders were at a function on Monday night, and I just, uh, this is, again, I read this on Thursday morning, uh, and a couple of them, many of them took their masks off so people could see their faces. Mm. And they admit that they made a mistake there, and I will see if there's going to be any fallout from that. But remember, these guys are going back to their apartments, their houses, their condos. Uh, some of them might live with some buddies. Some of them might live with a girlfriend who works someplace else. And, you know, they, they're, they're exposed, um, unlike the teams that are in the bubble. The bubble worked. Major League Baseball got their house in order after a mess the first couple of weeks, and football has to do the same. All right. So baseball's house is in order. So let's talk about that. And we are going to hear from MLB Network President Rob McGlary coming up in just a few minutes. But, you know, one of the things that we are seeing is that slowly fans are going to come back. They have not been in the bubble, and they're going to come back later on in the League Championship Series, I believe, and the World Series down there in Texas. And listen, great news to some extent. I think it's going to be a real test of testing and and all the different things that you have to do to get any large group of people together right now, Michael Barr. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be social distancing. The the seats are going to be spaced out. Uh, The key, though, is that the World Series is in Arlington, Texas, where it is allowed where you can have something like this. Uh, It's not allowed in the ALCS uh, in California because of the COVID rules there. So you're not going to see that happening, but you will see it in the NLCS also. So the, the COVID rules are playing in effect, but but hey, it's, at least there's some uh, semblance to having fans in the stands uh, back in the day. Up next on the show, we speak with MLB Network President Rob McGlary. That is straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And follow me, Jason Kelly, at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every week at this time. Catch our Apple podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly, along with Mike Lynch and Michael Barr. Today, we're so excited to speak with MLB Network President Rob McGlary. So, Rob, we're taping this on Thursday morning, October 1st, and man, yesterday, Wednesday, what a day for Major League Baseball. What a day for baseball fans. Tell us how it felt. 
first of all, gentlemen, thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to talking to you. I'm a little dizzy. I'm, I'm a little groggy. It, w- it was a, a long, joyous day for, for baseball fans, starting at, at, at high noon and ending uh, late at night. Um, you know, the Yankee fans had to stay up a little late thanks to the weather in Cleveland and a really exciting game. But I know um, in Secaucus where our studios are, that the place was buzzing all day, you know, in the morning with anticipation and then with all the games, you know, people were just, you know, bouncing against the walls. And and I will say, you know, I dropped my daughter off at school today. And uh, even though the game was late, it seemed like, you know, people in New York were, were, were buzzing with the results. So uh, a nice, uh, fun way for, for this kind of very unique postseason to, to get uh, going. And, you know, there's five more games today. Uh, all of them elimination games, and then, um, you know, there, there may be some more baseball tomorrow. And congratulations to you because you were able to get permission to sell about, what, 11,500 tickets to the World Series in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, no, MLB announced that. Um, obviously, they're going to follow all the uh, government regulations, but there definitely seems to be um, an appetite for fans to, to watch in person. Um, you know, we've all gotten very used to the cardboard cutouts, but um, I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of interest in Texas for folks to watch, you know, at the LCS level in the World Series. Rob, you launched the MLB back in uh, 2009. Uh, did you ever imagine you'd be where you are right now heading into a new decade with so much interest and so much global interest, uh, the way all your tentacles have spread? Before MLB Network was was launched, I actually you know, worked in the league office. I worked on the initial deals that led to the carriage for MLB Network, and you know that happened in happened in two thousand five or six. You know, and for a while, the agreements were binders in my office, and that was the that was MLB Network. You know, and then once we had plans to actually get a facility and launch, and Tony Petiti, you know, brought me over full time to the network. To see that sort of path and, and journey, there's no way when a bunch of distribution agreements with, with some of the larger distributors in my office, I anticipated the facility that we're in, the amount of programming that, that we do. Um, it, it's been quite a ride. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's for me, you know, to be part of it, it it's been humbling, but a, a lot of fun. We, we've created a great culture we're incredibly proud of the product that we put out. You know, we're, we're not the biggest media entity, but we, we try to put as much effort and passion into what we do every day, and I think it's shown. You know, this year has been a unique year, and you know, one of the things that, that our place has been proud of is sort of how, how we do at the sports Emmys, mm. and um, you know, those are normally in the spring. And this year they happen to, to be in August, um, which was a kind of odd timing, but it worked out well because this year has been an odd year, and, and we won you know, three Emmys. The one that everyone in our building sort of always looks to is uh, the Daily Studio Show. For, for us, that's sort of the, the best picture category because you know, we produce so many hours of, of studio programming. And when we won, I, I, you know, I sent out a note to everybody, and, and I just said, you know, these days it's nice to have some good news. Um, you, you don't have a lot of days like you haven't had a lot of days like that. And, you know, we've won, we've been nominated every year. We've won seven years out of 11. And to think when we were just sort of, you know, the, this was just an idea that that's where we'd be. 
and that, you know, we'd be doing playoff games, you know, for nine, nine years. I, I honestly, I, I didn't anticipate that. Well, let's talk about that and, and what changed that made that all possible or, or what was going on in the broader business and, and media and consumer landscape, honestly, Rob, that sort of made it possible to, to get to, to where it is. And, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the pandemic and, and this very unlikely and uh, topsy-turvy season. But what have you seen evolve or change across the broader media landscape that has sort of created this lane for you? Well, I mean, it, it, the world is a lot different now than when LB Network launched, right? Sure. It, it would probably um, it would probably be pretty difficult to launch LB Network today. Now we have credibility and a following. Um, you know, at the time, way back then, you know, the idea was that you know we had an out of market product, you know, extra innings that distributors were interested in, and, and was there a way we could sort of partner with them to? you know, use that to help us get launched with the distributors. And, and you know, as with any cable network launch, there, there were, um, I'll say, bumps, uh, you know, but we got to a point with a partnership with the largest distributors, and, and it's worked out really well for everybody. Um, you know, obviously, we were um, – we're in less homes now than we were a few years ago, but that's that's the truth for all um, cable cable networks. Um, you know, and we're working with you know one of the, one of the reasons why uh, you know we we wanted to make sure that the product is so good is to make sure that we're we're you know doing our part in our partnerships w- with the distributors, and I and I think we've done that. But yeah, it's a it's a brave new world, and and you've got new players out there. You know, we're. Uh, we're carried on a number of the, the virtual MVPDs, you know, carried on Sling, carried on YouTube TV. We, uh, we were just launched on Fubo. Um, you know, we want to be wherever baseball fans are, are consuming content. Did you ever think, and I'm here comes old geezer bar again, when you had to watch <laughs> Wide World of Sports to get uh, the cacophony of your news, whatever, way before ESPN, that's how you got uh, the variation of sports. Today, you have, a, obviously, your network, the, the channels specifically for baseball and other networks as well. I just never dreamed that there would be a day like this. I was a kid. I watched, you know, the Wild World of Sports. What was it? The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, and they, oh, they yeah. showed the the skier like falling down the hill. Um, yeah, it is quite a quite a different time. You know, I remember, you know, on a Saturday trying to watch Wild World Sports, and they'd be teasing the Harlem Globetrotters or, or trotters are coming up. You're like, <laughs> when's that going to happen? And you know, and you'd be looking for like two minutes of the the piece of content you want. Whereas with us, if you're a baseball fan, you know, you can sit on us. And I, I think, you know. I think fans and viewers are um, are more sophisticated now. You know, they they, they want uh, deeper analysis. You know, I think way back then, Wild World Sports, you kind of got a little sampling here and there. Um, I think fans, you know, they want to know what what is a hitter, what is a pitcher thinking about. You know, how did how did that happen? Um, and I think you know when they come to LB Network, they, they know they're going to get that. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching, uh, you know, our morning show on LB Central, and, and Mark DeRosa, you know, stays up late late every night t- trying to think of, you know, what breakdown can I do the next morning to, to show fans, like, what, you know, a 12-year MLB veteran is thinking about 
oh, and by the way, you know, let, let me do it with a little bit of fun. So, it, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very different world. Um, you know, I think we are um, providing, you know, information and content and entertainment to people who, you know, fan, fans, they expect more now. Rob, uh, we all know that uh, the biggest challenge for Major League Baseball is uh, attracting and keeping younger viewers. Uh, they have several efforts that they're trying to do on the field. What about as far as your broadcast is concerned to attract and keep younger viewers? Well, I mean, I, I'd say there's, there's a number of different things uh, that we're doing. Um, you know, one, when MLB launched their play ball program, um, play ball initiative, we we launched you know a companion show a weekly kids show you know one of the one of the things that um when i would talk to people you know uh, about different programming ideas that came up time and time again you know you should have a show targeted towards kids so we've been doing that um you know for five plus years um it, it's it's a weekly show and you know the, the, the fun thing about it is um when you when we reach out to players and tell them that it's a show that's, that's geared towards kids, the response of players to sort of be involved and give their time is has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, we sort of in this world of, of 2020, obviously, not everyone is watching um, simply linear, linear TV. So we developed a. Um, a, so, a social media program that we called a Sandlot to the Show. So we reached out to, to fans, said, you know, show us, you know, film yourself if you're a kid or um, you're a softball player or a baseball player, and we'll break it down on on the network, um, you know, as if we're breaking down, you know, for Fernando Tatis. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's been fun programming because our, our former players love sort of seeing kids and, and interacting with what they're, you know, what they're trying to do. Kids, obviously, you know, and their parents, by the way, and their grandparents love, you know, seeing them get analyzed by, you know, Hall of Famers like John Smoltz and, and Pedro Martinez. We did win a sports Emmy for that program. So those are just a couple of things that, that we're doing. You know, the league obviously has, has, a number of outreach that it's doing, you know, and, and we try to support it. So let's talk a little bit more about that, Rob, because you know, we've talked about it on this program a lot, and we've talked to players, uh, not the least of which is Trevor Bauer, who I think uh, we could all agree does not lack personality and does not lack um, some some takes on things. But it does feel like baseball has been, and I say this as a longtime baseball fan, and speaking of Trevor Bauer, I was, uh, even though, I really like him. I was happy to see the Braves ultimately prevail uh, yesterday in that very long uh, offenseless game. But, you know, I do think about the idea that baseball is a little bit more, for lack of a better term, sort of conservative, especially when you put it against, say, the NBA, where the players have really embraced a lot of these more candidly forward-thinking and fan-forward and fan-engagement type initiatives. Why do you think that is, and and how do you, going beyond some of the things you've talked about, continue to sort of use the media landscape to to change that and give these guys an opportunity? Well, so it's interesting. With the pandemic, there've been there's a lot of things that haven't been good. I think that's quite the understatement. But it has provided an opportunity for people to be open to trying new things, right? So in baseball this year, we have seven inning doubleheaders. We have the runner 
starting on second base um, in extra innings. We have the universal DH. Those were those were implemented this year because of the pandemic. But I think one of the things that happened is you know, some of those things were considered to, to some traditionalists like, oh my gosh, you're, you're ruining the game. Right. And you know now what you have is a lot of people are like, you know what, that's not so bad. And, and, and maybe it's even better than not so bad. Maybe it's you know maybe I like it. Like you know we we do a um, we have a show focused on you know analytics called MLB Now and. You know, a lot of those, and, and so we have a mix of former players, insiders. Um, our host is very analytically uh, inclined, and he, you know, recently just had a couple guys, and they did a poll on those changes, and most of them, people were were liked so much that they would want to keep them. Now, there's always going to be some some folks that are traditionalists and like, no, I, I like the difference in. Uh, the leagues between the DH and the not DH, but I think the larger, you know, message that hopefully, you know, uh, everyone, fans, players, um, executives will take is it's okay to try change. You know, even if, you know, those three particular changes aren't um, the ones that you like, I, I don't think anyone is going to suggest the things that have happened this year, you know, ruin the game. And, and and I think a lot of people would say that they they enhance the game. You know, we, we're we just we started this conversation talking about um, you know the, the incredible day of postseason baseball yesterday. So you know another big change was changing the playoff format. Yeah. Um, I I think you know I think the commissioner has said that maybe 16 games isn't necessarily the, the way to go in the future, but that you know he's very open to. Um, Changing, you know, expanding the playoffs from the ten game, ten teams that would have gotten in if we hadn't had these changes, and you know, I think the excitement that you saw yesterday shows that that you know a, a lot of people might agree. You know, there's different ways you can do it. You know, one of the proposals um, that was out there was instead of 16 teams, you know, you would do 14 teams, and you know, the top two teams in the league would have a bye, and you'd have a selection show with. Um, teams picking who they play, mm. you know, as a, as a executive at a, te- as a, at a television network, I, I love that idea. Right. And I will tell you, the, the first, the, it, I, I will tell you the first time it was broached to me, I was like, that's, 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 that's interesting. So what, what MLB asked us to do when they were sort of thinking about it and they were discussing with ownership, they're like, Hey, could you guys do a mock show? And so, you know, we had Matt Biscursion, Harold Reynolds, John Smoltz, Lauren Shahadi. We used um, the, the standings from the end of uh, 2019, and we just went through it. And, and as we sort of, you know, produced the, the, the quote-unquote show, everyone was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And, and I think it was an example of, you know, when someone just does a, you know, a slideshow and, like, here's the idea – it, it's hard to sort of imagine it to life, but when we produced the show, I, you know, the people that saw that mock were, were, you know, really they're like, I didn't, I was skeptical of the idea, but now that I see what it would be like, you know, I think, I think I'm okay with it. And it would, you know, it add just another element to the postseason. And, you know, you have all these young analytically inclined GMs, right. you know, I, I could see them in their war rooms, like, all right, who should, you know, which team should we pick? You know, the, these guys were, while they have a great record, they were, you know, they don't match up well with us or they weren't doing well down the stretch. It's just yet another thing 
um, for fans to talk about. And, you know, as someone that programs a, a network uh, that's focused on baseball, anytime you have something to talk about, we're, we're for it. I got to bring up some of the cool nuggets that you guys have and in, in about the technology. And during the playoff games, you guys have what's called the speed cam. And it's it's set up where there's a track on top of the dugout and you're following the player heading to first base. I, I love that thing. Can you, can you talk more about that? Yeah, well, that, again, that's another example of, you know, trying to look at the landscape in, in the pandemic and saying, okay, we can't do certain things, but, but what, what can we do? So that camera was something that we talked about doing for quite some time, but because it runs across the dugout, there have been a couple of times where, where when we proposed it to clubs, they're like, you know, it might get in the way of the fans or things like that. So we, we've been pitching it. We actually did it in a, a college game um, this winter between uh, uh, Vanderbilt and Michigan. So we had it, we had to kind of test. And then this year, since there weren't any fans, we went back to, to MLB and they approved it for um, a game that we did in Anaheim earlier this year. Um, and we're going to do it in, in Houston, it, you know, for uh, one of the playoff games we're doing. So, you know, there, there've been, as I said, it, obviously no one, no one was, uh, if we everyone would prefer not to have the pandemic, but and everyone would prefer to have you know fans in in um, in the stands, but but then you know you, you sort of deal with the hand that you're that you're dealt, and you try to make the best of it. You know that that's that's one example. I, you know th- this year when we produced our um, our showcase games, you know we like everyone else, you know did them from a studio in Secaucus and. Um, you know, two of our on-air talent, Hal Reynolds and Greg Amsinger, who host MLB Tonight for us, had been on me for years saying, you know, can we do a game um, but do it like like we do MLB Tonight? So we'll, we will show the game, but, like, if there's something else going on in another game, let us jump in, let us do it. And so this year I was like, well, we're, we're producing the games, that, you know, from a studio anyway. We might as well let them do it. And uh, we did two games like that, and they had an absolute blast, you know, and they, they – they still followed the main game, but they were able to do all the things that we do in LB tonight, jumping in and out of other games, providing updates, doing demonstrations um, that, that they're inspired by the games. So honestly, I think that's something that, you know, even if we go back to, um, I'll call it a more normal environment, uh, you know, that, that I'll, I'll pursue doing again. So, you know, again, you, you try to try to look at what, what's out there and, and, um, and do, do do new things um, where where you can. Rob, uh, everyone's talking about cord cutting these days. Is your biggest challenge to remain relevant and necessary to viewers? Well, I, what 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 I'd say about cord cutting is, you know, the the one thing that everyone um, says is that the, the 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 things that people still watch live are sports and news, and you know, so I think there's going to be um, and, and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, so obviously, you know, people's behaviors are changing a little bit, but I think sports and news um, are well positioned to, uh, to you know, evolve um, in, in this environment. And like I said, you know, we, were, we just got launched on Fubo. We, we've got a good relationship with YouTube TV. We're on some of the other virtual. So, 
you know, I, we're, we're very much aware of, of um, the changing landscape. You know, the other thing is being a legal network, you know, we can pivot. You know, MLB did a, um, you know, a deal with YouTube to provide YouTube with a certain number of exclusive games. YouTube's not in a, in a position to produce those games themselves. So with MLB, MLB Network ended up producing those games. So I think, you know, we're all going to be smart about how we pivot and how we evolve. We really enjoyed spending some time with you. Thank you so much for uh, giving us some time amid the playoffs. We know there's a lot more baseball to come, and I think I speak for all of us as fans when I say we're happy to have it, uh, eager to get back out to the ballpark, uh, but in the meantime, really enjoying uh, all of your programming and relying on it even more than usual. Rob McGlurry, MLB Network President. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the playoffs. All right, you too. Thanks, man. Thank you, Rob. All right, guys, so a lot of baseball on television right now. I loved what he was talking about really at the beginning of the interview. There was a lot of baseball on this week. You know, that opening day went from noon to, uh, let's just say, well past my bedtime. And some good (laughs) baseball, and it's a good product that they put on the field. And we've talked about this on the show before at Lynchy. I did not fully anticipate we would actually be here watching high-quality playoff baseball. No, because the way this thing started with the Miami Marlins and when they were down in Philadelphia, we said, "Uh uh-oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, hats off to the players of Major League Baseball and all the people who sent out the word, behave and be socially distant, and otherwise we're going to blow up this whole season. So here we are in the postseason. I like the 16 teams. This is an unusual year. Why not get more participation? And there's been some great drama. I mean, they're competing against the NBA Finals right now in, in and this is something they never had to do before. And uh, I find myself uh, hanging in there because I'm a big baseball fan and I love it. Well, Bart, there's a heck of a lot of uh, baseball that's on right now. Uh, <laughs> a lot of content, as you pointed out. We are well past the world of wide world of sports. So how do you sort of fit it into your kind of media consumption as a fan? I love it. Uh, and yeah. I remember, <laughs> see, about 10, 15 years ago, I came up with this idea, obviously well before the COVID era, about a rule change for baseball because football was was doing the, the challenge and everything. I said, what if the American League or the National League, whoever won the All-Star game, you'd get an extra out to use anywhere you want it in the World Series? <laughs> And, of course, you know, they're like, shut up, old man. Take your Geritol and get get in the corner over there. And, okay, that was a stupid idea. But you can see what was happening now. Now you got the runner on second base. Uh, you have seven-inning yeah. doubleheaders. The things evolve. And I know the, the old-timers are like, no, you keep the game the way it was. Well, you know, it, it, things evolve. I liked, yeah, and I liked the fact that they are not wasting the crisis, as it were, and maybe trying some things that, as you say, the traditionalist might not be as into. So it was interesting to hear him break that down. Listen, I'm going to say it. Baseball has to do it. They're losing fans. They are losing young fans. They are losing young fans to the NBA and to some extent football, but also, and we've talked about this on this program before, to lacrosse and other things esports even you know we had that great conversation 
earlier in the week with Ken Hirsch uh, talking about the rise of esports. So they've got to do something. And if you're a content guy like Rob McGlary is, like all of us are, you got to be thinking about the ultimate product on the screen, whatever screen that may be. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, it is that time. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Oh dun, 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 dun. <laughs> here we go for the number of the week. Play along at home, everybody. Gentlemen. LeBron James, King James, he has bought a new castle. The Lakers star, he has just bought a Mediterranean-style compound in Beverly Hills, according to the Times, L.A. Times. The question, gentlemen, how much did he pay for that mansion? Um, This is the place in Beverly Hills, right? This is Beverly Hills. Where I want to be. Um, <laughs> Swimming pool. I'm going to go. 30 million. Mike? Uh, I have the advantage of going second here, so yeah. I could. I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm gonna leapfrog right over you to 35 million. Wow, Lynchy, you you are on a roll, man. Lynchy's so good at this. It, it's he paid thirty six point seventy five million dollars. Oh, I didn't go over, so I get you the price. That's what I'm saying. Ding, 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 you didn't go over. Dun, dun, dun. Come on, Come on down, <laughs> man. It, it's it has put two some and a half CBD acres. on that hip, Lynchy, and run down the aisle. <laughs> like Amos McCoy. <laughs> here he comes, folks. He'll be here shortly. Yeah, loop the music again, folks. He's, he'll be here. It's two point. It's on two point five acres, uh, and uh, hey, he's. I think what is what uh, ninety one hundred square feet. So he's yeah. he's doing well. Well, he's doing well in the playoffs so far. I mean, obviously, we're taping this on a Thursday. We've got game one under our belt. By the time some of you listen to this, uh, it could be tied one 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 uh, with the Heat. But the way the Lakers played uh, in game one and what's interesting, just speaking of uh, LeBron James, is he has not usually had a very good go of it in game one of the finals. So this was a surprisingly easy run. You had some injuries now that the Heat are going to have to deal with. I I have seen very few people predict a Heat win in the finals. But listen, it's an upside down year. But just like he locked in on that real estate, the king is locked in, guys, <laughs> big time. And Anthony Davis is no answer oh. for him for the Miami Heat. There's no answer. Yeah, I, it's funny. It's funny you say that, Lynch, because when I was watching the game, uh, there was a there was a moment in Game One where Davis like missed a shot. Got his got a rebound, got his own rebound, put it back up, missed it, got it again, and yeah. the commentators basically like, yeah, he's just. He's kind of bigger and better than those other guys. <laughs> and yeah. It's just true. And he, I mean, he is putting on some record-setting performances. It's his first playoffs, his first finals, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So, um, yeah. in any case, we'll see how that goes. Good number of the week there, Barr. I like it. Yeah. Oh, one, I got to add one quick note before we wrap this up. By the way, it was, used to be owned by Lee Philip Bell. He was the talk show host, and he was the co-creator of the Young and the restless. 
Ooh. Well, there you go. Ooh. There you go. Ooh. LeBron James, I think, would fall into the youngish and determined. So we'll <laughs> see how it goes through the rest of the finals. All right, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly. Find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch, winner of the number of the week, and very proud of that, by the way. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Michael Barr on Twitter, going back to a small RV. At Big Bar Sports is where you can find me. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world.